This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Total Saints podcast. We are the weekly Saints podcast, your home for all things Southampton Football Club. This podcast is being live streamed on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. Going to be checking your comments as we go through the show. So if you're watching live and you've got something to say, maybe something to get off your chest this week, uh, do get involved in the conversation. Our podcast is entirely supported by our loyal Patreon community. Without you, we couldn't make the show each week. And we've got one new Patreon member joining us in the last week. So a huge thank you and welcome to James Harron, who's joined our Francis Benali tier. Thank you, James. We do appreciate your support and I'll have more on how you can join us in just a moment. Coming up this week on the podcast with the summer transfer window closing, we'll take a look at the business that was done and try to make sense of some of the deals that perhaps didn't quite happen. It was the long trip to Sunderland at the weekend. Saints got off to the worst possible start and it didn't get any better. We're going to review that game, I'm afraid. And after the international break, Leicester are the visitors to St Mary's for a Friday night game under the lights. Tom from Leicester Fan TV is going to help us to preview that one. My name's Martin Stark and I'm joined by our regular contributors, Steve Grant, who's the owner of Saints Web. Alfie House is the senior Southampton reporter for the Daily Echo. And making his TSP debut is George Reese julian who's enjoyed I think, his first season reporting on the Saints at the Daily Echo. He's nodding, that's good. Uh, all underpinned by our TSP patrons. This is episode 242 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. Now, before we kick things off, a quick shout out for our Patreon community. Their monthly contributions fully support the show, and we couldn't make TSP without their support. We have four tiers ranging from £5 to £20 per month. And aside from supporting the podcast, each of those tiers has perks like access to an ad-free version of the pod, exclusive TSP t-shirts and merch bundles, the TSP FPL, and access to our TSP events and much more too. Going to be checking in on the FPL scores later in the season. 
season and there will be more on how to access the TSP events in just a few months. So if you want to get involved in supporting the podcast each month, head over to patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast for more details. All the links are in the podcast show notes and the YouTube description. Now, on to the football. Let's start with the transfer window, shall we? Perhaps not as busy as we thought it might have been on that final day. So let's have a quick look back uh, at some of the deals that happened and some of those that didn't. Uh, Alfie, I'm going to give you the unenviable task of trying to make sense of the Che Adams thing, because that seemed to be changing by the hour on Friday. But ultimately, he stays, which is good. Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of a surprise if you followed the reports from the day before. Um, there was a couple... I think, you know, inaccurate ones saying that he was on the way to Wolves and the medical had been agreed and all this sort of stuff. That was obviously never true. Um, but Wolves were very much the only option at that point for Che. Um, you know, obviously, Saints had knocked back Biz for Everton and Bournemouth before that. Uh, I think Fulham and Crystal Palace, as I mentioned a couple of weeks, just never never firmed their interest, never got interested. I think Mateta scoring goals, Fulham may have signed somebody else or they didn't get Paulinho out the door. I, I can't quite remember. But it was the final day. Um, it looked like I felt that Che was probably going to leave, to be honest. And then about two o'clock, about half two, you know, I actually text George um, because I got told that it was more likely he would stay. Um, and then obviously the athletic fair play to him, they, they broke that one and got that story out. And obviously the timeline goes a little bit mental. Wolves, basically, the, the club felt that was never going to happen. They felt that it was never going to get off the line. You know, this was Wolves the deal where it. he signs for he, another 12 months and yeah. then we loan him straight out. Yeah, yeah, he would sign an extended deal. They would loan him out. They pay a few million for his loan fee. Uh, it would be 15 million obligation if he played a certain amount of games. And there was a potential for some add-ons as well. And then to be fair, from a business point of view, it kind of makes sense of Southampton because if he goes and um, you know, he doesn't play enough games, he comes back with a longer contract and they can sort of renegotiate his value and see what happens then. If they do get the 15 million for him, that was the price tag they wanted. So it was kind of a win-win, but as I say, it was never going to happen. And um, he travelled with them with the squad on the Friday. So clearly there was no intention of letting him go. But I think it's a massive win. I, mean, I can understand why Russell didn't start him on the weekend, to be fair, because it's been a lot of talk about it but I think it's a, it's a big W for the club to be fair. Uh, one that did come in Steve is uh, Ross Stewart coming in on that three-year deal from Sunderland I mean 40 goals in 81 games for Sunderland I know he's coming back from injury but that seems like uh, another astute capture. Um, I mean his recent records very good certainly I mean I think I wonder if he maybe had um, sort of second, second doubts <laughs> second thoughts about two uh, 2.45 <laughs> yesterday afternoon but um, no I mean on, on the face of it that, look, that looks a good deal the only, the only obvious question mark that people have obviously been throwing around is 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 a slight sort of injury issue that's that seems to be an on a kind of recurring theme maybe but at the end of the day you've got a you've got a trust that that a player's once he's over a particular injury then you you're going to be able to get him out on that pitch more often than not and i mean the price the price tag for 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 the the goal return that he's that he's put out there in recent years i think that's i think that's a decent deal and I mean, my one concern was that it was whether that deal was contingent on Shea Adams leaving. Obviously, it turns out that wasn't the case, which is a relief because I think I think we were probably all agree, agreed that we needed another another goal scorer anyway. So yeah, getting getting him through the door. If he's, I mean, I don't know what his fitness situation is like. Whether he's going to be ready to go next Friday or not. I think so. The Sunderland boss Tony Mowbray said that he was hoping during the international break to get him back in behind closed doors friendly for the first time, which would then probably signal about two, three, or four weeks of further recovery. So he probably won't be playing till the start of October. Okay, I mean that's that's not a it's not a disaster, is it, by any stretch of the imagination? Especially not if Che stays. You know, that's mm. the other thing, isn't it? You know, had Che but, left, then that might be a bit more. Urgent. But I think it's one of those you always want to give sort of headline arrivals, and and I think 
given that he arrived on deadline day to a fair bit of fanfare. I think that's what that's what um, that's what he is. I think you always want to give those sort of players sort of an early run out and sort of let the fans see what um, see what they're all about early doors. I mean, mm. didn't didn't go quite so well for another uh, arrival <laughs> yesterday, but we'll uh, we'll come on. We'll to get that on one. to that. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think you know, if he if he scores goals, if he's sort of in the Billy Sharp mould of of getting getting a goal every every other game, then yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be contributing, and, and that's gonna be gonna be very useful for us. Happy days, yeah, happy days. That was quite late on Friday. I mean, George, one that was confirmed quite early was um, Taylor Harwood-Bellis coming in from, from Manchester City. Was was that a surprise? That one kind of went under the radar a bit, but looks like a, another decent capture. Good signing. Well, he was rumoured sort of earlier on in the transfer window, perhaps the Manchester City links, making that quite an easy one to link together. But I think, yeah, he's a very good addition. He ups the double-barrelled surnames in the Southampton squad, <laughs> which is always handy after a couple of players with double-barrelled surnames leaving the club. But on the surface, he looks like a really good sign. And a loan with an obligation to buy if they go up is very good. It's not immediately putting a strain on the budget. He's also won the championship before, so he knows how to get up. He's a captain of the England and 21 side. He won the European championships with them. I don't think they conceded a goal during that tournament. And he made the team of the tournament for that competition. And if you look at the rest of the names in there, it's the Anthony Gordons, it's the Curtis Joneses, it's the the youngsters in the Premier League that you're looking at and thinking they're future England internationals. And he seems like he could be another one of them. So to get someone through the door that Jason Wilcox clearly knows, he's spoken quite highly of him. He says he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's a leader of men, which for a 21-year-old is quite a lot of praise. So to bring someone in who's, from looking at him, seems like he's comfortable on the ball. From By all accounts, he wanted the Southampton move over other Premier League moves as well, according to Jason Wilcox. So I think he's a, he's a really good get to get in. Somebody that wants to come and play for us. That's nice. Um, there were a couple of departures as well. Alfie, I mean, Don Ballard to Reading. That kind of makes sense. I know that they said they weren't going to loan anybody out unless it really was going to work for both parties. So you would like to think that he's going to go get some good game time there and, and hopefully score a few goals. Yeah, that's an interesting one because um, Russell actually came and watched Don play against Liverpool in the 21s um, after he scored two hat-tricks in a row, came and watched the Snows. And, uh, you know, it wasn't like Don's best game, but he was constantly trying to make things happen. Obviously, me and George are both there and having shots and you could sort of see him talking to his staff. So I just wonder if he'd just watched him a bit closer, assessed him and just thought, now's the time for you to go out. You're probably not going to be testing. And I guess at that point, they probably knew that maybe Jay was staying, maybe Seku was staying as well. And they just felt that it's the right time for him to, to get out. The one that I think is a really good one, and I'm sure that Steve would agree, is getting Bella Kotchap out on loan. He'll come back in next season. You can sort of reassess the value then, but you don't need him anymore. You've got enough defenders, although obviously maybe that isn't totally true based on what we saw um but you, you, i felt at the time that was a good one just to get the loan get the wage off and um you know keep the harmony of the squad together all in all steve were you quite happy with the business that was done i think so i mean i think we've we've trimmed the fat we've obviously lost a lot of good players but at the end of the day these are also players that clearly were part of the losing mentality that this club has had for the last two or three years so to get the to get the sums of money that we've got for these players i think we've done pretty well Although obviously, when you put when you put the raw numbers out there, we've effectively broken even now from the from the mess of last season's expenditure. So yeah, we're we're back on an even keel. We've I mean, the owners have have, dem- have said and demonstrated um, that they're happy to to cover things where necessary. So yeah, there's no there's no concerns on that front. And I think the squad now is of a size that is at least manageable. 
I don't think we should be having this nonsense situation where at Staplewood there's there's multiple changing rooms for for different groups of people just because there's too many of them. And I think if you've generally got two players for every position, which yeah, more more or less, I think I think we're covered there. I think some positions better than others, obviously, but that's that's natural. And so yeah, I think barring the the most ridiculous run of run of injury bad luck i think we're i think we're quite well set i mean i think i mean i've seen a lot of, there's obviously been a lot of um negative reaction after after yesterday and understandably so but i mean i i, I saw someone claiming that that they fully expect us to be playing league one football next season it's like oh come on take, take we, your we head do out like a meltdown don't we we do oh, like absolutely a ridiculous um <laughs> proper melodramatic absolute absolute garbage but no we're, I, the, the squad that we've got compares favorably with pretty much any in this league it's about putting together the performances and getting the results which by and large I mean obviously up until yesterday we've we've been certainly getting the results and most of the performances have been okay given all the all the outside noise that's been been going on as well which which can't have helped but now we now everything is kind of settled everything we know we know who's here um, until at least the first of January so this is kind of where the excuses have to stop and yeah, need a need a big big response after after yesterday's shambles. Mm. We should also mention that somehow Carl Walker-Peters is just still a Southampton player, and mm. he did it with basically no links at all as well, which is just incredible. Madness, absolutely Went madness. under the radar, didn't it? Uh, the reality check after a decent start to the season was always going to come to an end sooner rather than later. I'm just not sure we thought it would be at Sunderland. I mean, going a goal down after 54 seconds pretty much set the tone for the afternoon. Uh, we're back in the more familiar territory of chewing over a heavy away defeat. It's like, welcome back. Here we go. Alfie, I mean, a long trip for you, and I know you were up there early as well because of um, deadline day, but I mean, at one point, Sunderland had four shots on target, and I think they scored five goals. Where where do we start summing up that game? Well, I think you start in the first 90 seconds, don't you? You start with um, what Russell Martin pointed out at the end of the game is that they Southampton got a quick corner, a uh, real chance to put some pressure on in the first 90 seconds of the game, took it short, lost the ball, and then all of a sudden there's nobody in any space at all. I think Stuart Armstrong is probably the only person within about 25 yards of that right-hand side of the pitch, and he's able to just whip a ball in back post and... That's one got one goal in ninety seconds, and then to give it away for a second, a little bit unlucky to be fair with the Flynn Downs deflection, which people will have criticised Gavin Mazzini for, but it did take it closer to Gavin, but I don't think it was savable, I have to be yeah. honest. And then the third right before half time, that one probably was savable. And if you go three goals down at half time, you're in you know, you've got no hope. Russell did respond with a couple of changes, um, but left obviously left a couple of those that were struggling right at the back line on. And you know, I don't want to dig out individual players, but you know, Mason Holgate is not going to be particularly happy with that performance, obviously, um, to give the ball away right on half time. And, you know, I say Russell was one of the changes, but then it wasn't until 10, 20 minutes later that they actually made a few more. Um, I just think they just never got a grip of it. Sunderland had more energy than them. Um, they were just, I mean, we spoke about the uh, fullbacks actually last week, didn't we, to be fair, Steve, just getting in behind the fullbacks left, right and centre. And it was, the, you know, the same again. I thought same right again, man, yeah. struggled a little bit. And, yeah, I mean, uh, Swansea last season, um, George will, will be able to tell you more, but I think they scored more goals than most teams in the division. But only the f- two free relegated teams and QPR actually conceded more than Swansea. So I think we're going to have to get used to a lot of goals going in at both ends. Um, you just like to you know, spread that five out a little bit more than they were on Saturday. I mean, George, you missed these kind of results last season um, for us. So, I mean, for us, it, it's familiar territory chewing over these sort of results. That really was a bit out of the blue yesterday, wasn't it? What did you make of it all? Yeah, I think you could almost maybe feel like a not so great result was coming because Russell Martin spoke quite a lot about how he was 
happy to get the wins against Plymouth and QPR, but ultimately he wasn't really happy with the performance. And if a manager's saying that, someone who clearly knows much more about football than we do, then there's probably some stuff that even as fans, we maybe aren't picking up on as much. But I didn't think it was going to be a 5-0 loss. Like Alfie said there, you start the game that poorly, it's always going to go downhill, especially against someone like Sunderland. I spoke to Flynn Downs before the game and asked him about that sort of atmosphere, going to a stadium where they're going to pack out with 40,000 fans does he enjoy those sorts of games and he said actually yeah I really enjoy it especially with the way we play we're going to be able to go and dominate the ball but they didn't even really get a chance to do that before they were two goals down and that just makes it so much harder to be able to dominate the ball because you can't just dominate the ball and hope and wait to to create a chance you've almost got to go and score immediately and in doing that you kind of create more gaps at the back and we almost saw them Gavin Bazzuno had to pull off a couple of saves to prevent it getting to 3-0 even before he did unfortunately sort of let one in at his near post. So the game plan kind of went out of the window within about 10 minutes of the game, even though they still sort of played the way that Russell Martin likes to play, they kind of had to have that a little bit more initiative and they had to kind of maybe take a few more risks because ultimately in the championship, you've got to get straight back into games if you go behind. I mean, Steve, we were warned about the mistakes, weren't we, coming from knocking the ball about at the back. But I mean, yesterday was, 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 was it was another one of those games where people told us that this would happen. To an extent, but actually the, and it was only the third goal that really came from us giving the ball away in a even semi-dangerous position. There was still a lot, a lot of work to do for them to score that third goal, even even at the point where Holgate gives it away. The problem is that, I mean, Holgate's made, made the mistake and he's compounded it by then charging out of position to try and win it back immediately. And they've they've knocked the ball around him, and and all of a sudden there's 15 yards of space to run into, and that's that's just that comes from composure and just got just got completely flapped by it all. And yeah, I mean that's that's frustrating. And I mean let's be honest, I would be I'd be surprised if come the Leicester game if um, Howard Bellis isn't isn't in there alongside Bednarek instead. That's that's kind of how chastening that 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 sort of first hour for for Holgate was and obviously compound it then with the with their fourth goal um shortly after half time where he's he's got himself in the right position to be fair to him to to clear the clear the cross and somehow has just completely swung at fresh air and the guy's got a tap in and yeah it's just just frustrating that we I mean so many goals come from crosses and I mean I I'm I'm sick and tired of discussing it that the, the number of crosses that we allow to come into the box completely unchallenged. Mm-hmm. Like there's no there's no attempt to get out for the fullbacks to get out to the wingers to put any pressure on to block the crosses. There's no pressure from the midfielders in front of them or inside from the central midfielders to give en- to lend any support to to try and aid aid in blocking those crosses. And so teams know that they can just keep whipping crosses in till the cows come home and eventually balance of probability they'll put a good one in players at this level are still good players and they will they will get on the end of get on the end of good balls and yeah we've got a we've got to sharpen up quickly it also seems like Carl Walker Peters and Ryan Manning I mean we know Carl's not but Ryan as well they're not really the best you would not sort of the, the fullback you'd want I suppose if a ball was being swung into the back post they're going to lose that battle mm. a few times out of 10 at least yeah definitely I did think it was it was nice Alfie when the manager came out and kind of took responsibility for that team selection at the back and said actually do you know what I put him in uh, I put Holgate in he, I knew that he hadn't played much football I knew he was going to be a bit rusty I just had a hunch and and he mm-hmm. he kind of carried the can a bit for that afterwards yeah I suppose because it would have been probably the the you know, slightly less brave things who just put Shea Charles in who's, who was good there against QPR 
Um, he's, he's fully up to speed now and um, aerially as well. I mean, Shea Charles in the air. He's the only person, well, not the only person, but he's one of the few that really attacks the ball, whether it's in his own box or in the opposition box. So credit to him. But yeah, Russell... Should have should have scored from should have scored. corners definitely. in the second yeah. half as well. Should have scored, but nobody else gets to him. And uh, he's, he's definitely a, a weapon there. But yeah, Russell, he's authentic, isn't he? He's honest and he does protect his players as well. He, he protects his players just like Ruben Sellers did. So he doesn't want them to you know, be lambasted. And I think Steve sort of alluded to there was a bit of a reaction online and people have every right to be fuming, if you, especially if you've travelled 10 at 12 hours, you spent hundreds of pounds on there. So it's not performance that you should have had. But I, I'm not in the position where I'm really, really panicking about the rest of the season now. I believe in the team that's there. I think they've got a good squad. I think it was, that was just a, a wake-up call that was needed. Well, I'm going to ask you all for your player of the week in just a minute, which I think is going to be a nigh on impossible task. Um, Steve, I mean, we could go through all the goals, but um, we'd be here all night. So just a quick word on like the officials, because I didn't think they were great oh, yesterday. God. That was another eye-opener for us. And obviously, we've been saying how great it is this year not having VAR. And then you get that foul on, on Manning in the box, and, and that would probably have been given. So it was uh, a tough afternoon for the officials too. Yeah, I mean, we we got... David Coop parachuted down from the Premier League mm-hmm. to take charge of take charge of this game. So I I assume he must have had a shocker in in a Premier League game last week mm-hmm. um, to get to get demoted like that. But yeah, he was garbage, wasn't he? Just just basic decisions not not being given right. And yeah, and the thing with that penalty decision is he's literally looking right at it. Mm-hmm. He could not have a better view of it, and yet he's decided no nope, nothing doing there. The guy's clearly clearly kicked Manning in the in the calf, causing him to go down. Ball, ball runs through and and they clear it and it's yeah it's just ridiculous i mean there's i mean let's let's also be be fair the officials aren't the reason we lost that game no. um but but we do um, like a moan about them right but, <laughs> but, but then at 2-0 down if you score that penalty 2-1 yeah it's a different game hmm. the momentum swing, uh, swings our way and maybe we we get a grip of things and um and take the game by the scruff of the neck and and turn it around you don't you don't know how how these things are going to pan out and all you ask is for basic decisions it's it shouldn't be difficult and yet somehow so many of these um supposedly professional referees now make it incredibly difficult for themselves hmm. George, are there any positives that we take from that game? Maybe the the international break that's coming up. I did read yesterday that I think we're still technically in a better position than Burnley were this time last year. I'm, I'm properly clutching at straws, but was there, was there anything decent to come out of that game? I think the thing you mentioned there about Burnley is maybe something to, to hold on to as a bit of positivity. Russell Martin said it in his, his Sky interview after the game that he hopes that the loss will give them the humility to improve. So I guess if you're looking at it that way, that kind of if a big loss hits you this early in the season, when you are a team who are going to push for promotion, that you'd hope that that would kind of give some of the players a wake-up call, especially maybe some of the ones who've come down from the Premier League who maybe don't quite know the Championship. They're all professionals. They know the Championship's going to be quite a tough league, but they, maybe that's going to give them the sort of wake-up call. And the international break's probably the best time to have a big loss because although you'll have a lot of the players going away, to either the senior national teams or some of the youth national teams is going to get be a chance now for some of the players like a Mason Holgate. He's not going to go away on international duty. He's just had a really poor f- debut. He's not really learnt the detail of the system so far. So he's going to be able to get that closer contact with Russell Martin and the coaches. And you'd hope that that's going to be able to get him up to speed maybe a bit quicker than he would have been able to if there was now another run of three or four games in consecutive weeks. So I think there are some things that you can can look at as positives, but ultimately 
it is pretty much a negative result, isn't it? Just draw a line under it. Yeah, um, I'm going to try and get a, a player of the week out of you, if possible. I mean, I heard somewhere, I'm sure he said that Mara looked great in training. So I'm kind of tempted to say uh, I'll nominate him because it sounds like he did all right in training. I don't know if you can go really much off of what anybody did on Saturday. Alfie, was there anyone that stood out for you? Maybe anybody on the bench that didn't get on? Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they would <laughs> be the ones. Risen. I mean, yeah, well, Taylor, Steve mentioned before going air, Taylor Howard Bellis is probably the player of the match because he's guaranteed himself a starting spot in two weeks' time and nobody else has. I think I'd have to say that maybe Shea Charles and Stuart Armstrong are probably Stuart, uh, Shea off the bench. And I felt that Stu actually was quite good on the ball and he, there was a couple of times he sort of broke the lines and drove in beyond. Um, so maybe them too. Uh, Steve, anyone for you stand out? I mean, uh, subs coming this on. This is hard though, isn't it? This is not it easy. Is tough, yeah, we did, when we started the season and we thought this was a good <laughs> idea, we never thought we'd be saying picking over a 5-0 defeat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as, mu- as much as um, as much as much Bazunu was probably at fault for the third goal, we also kept mm. the se- kept score down in the second half with two two excellent saves. But yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't stretch to put him in any player, player of the week vote, that's for sure. Oh, God knows. No, I, I, t- coming up blank, to be honest. Yeah, George, help us out. <laughs> I'm going to have to steal one of Alfie's answers. I'm going to have to go for Shay Charles. I don't think he was incredible coming off the bench, but he did give Saints fans that very momentary, brief moment of happiness when he kind of went up, won the header, and then it ultimately went wide. So I think in a 5-0 loss, those two seconds of excitement are kind of <laughs> the furthest you can stretch to for a moment of the game. Yeah, welcome to the podcast, George. Uh, <laughs> right, well, let's draw a line under that one and uh, and we'll move on. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We've got the international break coming up. And then, of course, the, the tough run of fixtures really do start. It's Leicester City next at St Mary's. I'm pleased to say that Tom from Leicester Fan TV is joining us tonight to preview this one. Hi, Tom. Cheers for coming on. Evening, gents. You're right. Yeah, you've been sat there patiently listening to us pick over that uh, dreadful result at Sunderland. How was? Let's start with your deadline day first. How was it for you? How was the the transfer window? Uh, good and bad. I think the good side of it, we you know we obviously got Tom Cannon who seemed to have a, a good back end of the season. Was it twenty appearances and eight goals for Preston? Looks a tidy little player coming from Everton for seven and a half mil. Uh, we brought Fatima in as well. He's a winger. He looks very excited when he came off the bench yesterday, and you know. The downside is we're still left with five senior goalkeepers now at the football club. And five. No, five. <laughs> so we've got a load of goalkeepers that uh, basically can't get near the squad and near the team. And there's a lot of experience in there. And Danny Ward, the Welsh international, he's basically backup third choice keeper who travels with the squad. So, yeah, interesting day. Obviously, I think there was talk of Dakar going as well to Bournemouth that didn't happen and he's now out in the cold because I think he's on like 74 appearances and if he makes another one then we have to pay another five mil so sounds like he's now stuffed and he's going to sit doing nothing for the next six months so look 
I think Leicester fans are happy with what we've done business-wise. But look, there's still room for improvement. I think going into January, depending where we are in the league, you'll see what we do. Do you think there's enough there to go straight back up? Because you're in the same sort of boat as us, obviously, you know, coming down and all that uncertainty around players and people wanting to leave, some leaving early, some leaving late. Do you think there's enough there? Are you kind of happy with the squad? What's the what's the vibe? I think we got what we did early was nice business, you know, getting Connor Cody in the door, getting Winks. Winks is an for the games he's played, Harry Winks has been absolutely brilliant for us. He's an absolute in this in this level of football. He, he's just playing for fun, really. You watch him get the ball. He, he knows where to pass it. He knows where to move. He knows where the man's coming near him, when to get rid of it. So bringing him in and Connor Cody. Obviously, we haven't seen Cody yet because he picked up a, an injury in training before in, against Le Havre, uh, and it was out for 10 weeks. Rumours is he should be back before the Southampton game. <laughs> what is it? A nice little touch because we've... Uh, in fairness, I'll give him to you. He has become the scapegoat for Leicester. Vestergaard is the new scapegoat for Leicester City fans. So don't go wrong, it's Vestergaard's fault. He might not do anything wrong, it'd still be Vestergaard's fault. But obviously, I think he is filling that void of Connie Cody. And what we're missing at the back, that leadership, we're still slow at the back, and Cody's not going to change that. But that leadership and that organisation still Cody will bring to Leicester. And I, th- I generally think we'll be up there around, you know, I said it. Before the season start with the squad we had, if we're in the top six coming to Christmas, I'll be more than happy. I'm a realist. I'm not one of these Leicester fans who get carried away that we're going to walk the league, we're going to do it, we're going to score record points. It's all about, I think you boys agree, getting out of this league as quick as you can. Because yeah. as we've seen from bigger clubs, once you're stuck down here, it takes a hell of a lot to get back out again. Yeah, and if you're going to do it, then obviously first year is, is your best chance. How um, What have you made to the start of the season so far? Are you happy with the results that you've you've seen and and, uh, and how it's going? Performance-wise, very, very average. And we've been looking many games this season. Coventry first game of the season, we should have lost. Easily should have lost that game. How we won, I will never know. And it was same in most of them. The first half, we played pretty well. We get to half time, we come out second half, and it's like we're not switched on, we're not ready. For 15, 20 minutes of every single game this season in the second half, we've taken a bit of a battering. We've let in chance after chance fall to you know to opposition teams. And it's something that probably Enzo, you know, is gonna have to work on about this switching on quickly, how you break teams down, as obviously you boys will learn as who sit deep, who don't want to play, because obviously you play the same kind of football that we're playing, and teams who sit deep, we've got to work out how to do it. We are nowhere near the finished article, and I think. If you listen to the manager at the beginning of the season, he was very honest to say, we might not go straight back up. Let, let's not get carried away. We might not go straight back up. This is a project. I've got to build. I've got to build and deliver something, but it might not happen in the first season. And if that's the case, we go again next season. So he was honest from the start not to put the pressure on the players, say, you've got to get it done. We've got to go back up. And I think that's felt to the fans a little bit that this is a... a a project that is going to take time to get right. The way Enzo is playing is something different than we've we've never seen at Leicester. You know, properly work event in you know inverted fullbacks. You know, Ricardo is, is a right back. I haven't seen him play right back season. He's playing as a midfielder. You know, it's going to take time for Leicester to get into this transition of we are a footballing team. We are trying to be a Man City of the division with the way we're playing. Slow build-up play. You boys will be laughing how slow we are from the back. But it's all about trying to draw the opposition out and, uh, you know, try and make someone make a mistake and pass the ball around, tire teams out. If half, you know, over half our goals have come in the last 10 to 15 minutes of matches because we tire teams out and we work, you know, grind them down. Yesterday, it was one of those games. I don't think if we played till next Tuesday, we would have scored. It was just a, just one of those games. Everything was going wide, hitting posts. 
you know, Hall goals gets a wicked deflection before going in the back of the net. It was just not our day. But if someone said after five games, you'd have 12 points, be third in the league. And, you know, I think we would have taken it because pre-season was awful like, for Leicester. We went to Thailand. We couldn't play the game against Tottenham. For me, that was a massive loss fitness-wise because obviously they had a, a sort of rainstorm there. That was abandoned. We then played some minnow club over there. We haven't had the best of pre-season, in my view, travelling all around the world. I'd rather we've done it all in England and got a proper prep. We didn't. And it, you could tell, I think, in the Coventry game, especially Hudfield away, we didn't look organised at the back. And teams at the moment, if they want to take their chances and you, you're willing to press us, we will make mistakes. So, look, five games in, 12 points, more than happy. Yeah, I can imagine. Alfie, it's, uh, I mean, there's lots of similarities there yeah. to, to the way we're, we're setting up and we're playing. I guess we're going to have always going to have one eye on Leicester this season because that was a manager that we were potentially in for too. So we're going to want to know how that might have worked out. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it makes complete sense. We listen to Tom talk. He's almost describing exactly what Southampton are trying to do as well, trying to be the you know, the Man City of the Championship. And I think it's going to be a really interesting contest for a Friday night. I just checked the stats and I think Saints have about 70% average possession at the moment. Leicester are the next closest to 65 and they're well ahead of anybody else. So it's going to be two teams trying to do the same thing. Um, it's going to be quite interesting actually to see how that works. Because I thought you know, when we spoke to the Plymouth um, guy, I forget his name, apologies, but when he came on, he said that they were going to try and play that way as well. But it ended up Southampton did just dominate the ball. But I wonder if Leicester will come to St Mary's and, and produce something quite interesting. But we're going to get score predictions uh, from everybody in just a moment. So get your thinking caps on for that. Steve, what have you made of, of Leicester's start to the season? This is going to be one of those those tough games for us potentially. Yeah, I mean, on, on paper, it's it's the toughest, I would say. Leeds look distinctly weaker than last season. And I think, yeah, I think Leicester have Leicester have got enough quality about them. Um, they had enough quality in depth that ultimately they should never have gone down in the first place. But defensively, they were a train wreck, much like we were. And yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see which team is actually able to sort their defensive issues out the quickest um, this season. I mean, maybe neither. Maybe we, we both just decide we're going to win every game 2-1. But I think they're, they're going to be strong because, yeah, you've, you've got um, seasoned international players who know what they're doing. And as long as everybody's head is in the game and you can go to places like Rotherham and pick up, pick up late wins as, as they did last week, then those, those are kind of the benchmark games of have you, have you got the balls to play in this league against the teams that are less technically gifted, but um, maybe able to make up for that in, um, in other ways and sort of have, have you got the heart to kind of, uh, stick it out and yeah so far they have I mean didn't didn't go to plan yesterday but no no team is ever going to steamroll the division and win every single game and yeah it's it's one of those where I think yeah as I say they're they're going to be there or thereabouts and that game that game in two weeks time is a is a big benchmark I don't, I don't want to tempt fate, but I'd like to think that we've had our annual hiding now and got it out of the way early. So maybe it might be a little bit closer than perhaps that the, we, we might think. I mean, George, it's going to be, um, we know how we're going to set up, but maybe just some different personnel coming in after <laughs> after the Sunderland game. I think you might have learned a few things about some of the players. Yeah, I think naturally after a 5-0 loss, a manager's going to want to make a couple of changes to this team. We spoke about Taylor Harwood-Bellis. Maybe he's someone who may come in for a debut, but the fact he's going away on international duty might sort of delay his acclimatisation to the squad. I think Shea Adams is probably someone who you'd hope would maybe be back in sort of a mental state where he can go on and play up front because he'll have had time away from all that transfer speculation. So getting a someone who's got a bit more of a presence in that central role, I think, 
Adam Armstrong's been really good so far this season, but he's kind of had his standout performances when he's not been that central striker, when he's been a little bit deeper and he can influence games from there. So I think Shea Adams coming in is is someone who would be quite nice. And I think, I don't know how far Kamaldine Sulemana is away, but I think he's someone that fans may look at as, maybe not for the Leicester game, but in the games coming up as someone who'd be quite a nice addition to the squad because that right-hand side does look a little bit weak, especially if you've got Sekumara playing out on the right, which does not really feel like a, a natural fit for him at all. Tom, if you've got a, a pretty settled starting eleven at the moment, do you think there'd be some some changes? Are they still trying to find their feet? It's been quite settled, I think. We've seen it uh, the last couple of games. Tramie on went, uh, Tuesday night when I went to watch them in the Cup. If it's not working, he ain't scared to make changes for, for at half-time against mm. Tramie because he wasn't happy with what they were doing. He pulls them off. This is a manager who's not scared to make changes and do it early. Uh, yesterday against Hall, I think it was 55, 60 minutes. Wasn't working. Dragged drag the two wingers off. Brought two new wingers on in Mac, uh, took McAtee off and uh, the Anik Gun, uh, the winger we just signed, Turkish lad, who didn't have a bad debut. Both of them really weren't getting in the game as much as they should have done. Obviously, then brought on Mavadidi and uh, Fatawa, and both of them were just electric when they came apart. So, I possibly could see them playing. Obviously, got the Chelsea lad, Casadilla, on loan, and every game I've seen him play, he's a handful for teams. Uh, He's very direct. He's very much, I want to get in the box. So there's a chance he will come into that starting lineup. The back three have been the back three of all season because we haven't really got much else. And he doesn't rate Suter in that back line at the moment. And that's just been uh, Doyle, Faz and Vestergaard. But obviously, Cody, if he's fit and ready to go, I think slots back straight back in for Vestergaard, sadly. And that's probably the only We might not get to see Vestergaard at St Mary's. That'd be a shame. Possibly not. I mean, the biggest change for Leicester will be obviously the goalkeeper. He's a very young lad. Mads Hamerson has come in this season for five to six mil. And what a goalkeeper I've seen so far. His ability to play out from the back. And that's why we went and got him. Because we were going to play this passion game. And he literally goes up out of the 18-yard box when we got the ball and basically becomes the fourth centre-half. You know, if you get the opportunity to shoot from the halfway line, it is, is quite Is he scary. comfortable doing it, though? Because, I mean, oh, we're yes. obviously trying something similar and, and there's a question mark over the keeper he's, at times, but it, it, he's comfortable doing that. He, oh, he's, he's very, very comfortable on the ball. Like, you know, there's the first few times when he came out against Cobb. What was he doing? But this game, because he's seen Casper Spichel try to play this and his distribution is shocking. This <laughs> lad's distribution, he can put it on a, a sixpence. When he goes long, he goes long. He knows where he's landing the ball. When he's playing short, he's not scared to get the ball and play it into the middle of the park to the number eight winks. He doesn't just play it sideways and, you know, across the park. He'll go through. He'll look to play the through ball to Ian Nacho if he has to. Very comfortable goalkeeper. Good shot stopper. Maybe a little small in the box and for corners and stuff. That's something he's got to work on where to be. But his overall distribution for what we're trying to build from the back is uh, he's a very, very good goalkeeper, what we've seen so far. So, yeah, it plays itself. But so far this season, he's he's chopped and changed when he needed to. So the bat three, very single. But the midfield, he could change again. OK, um, let's get some score predictions. If you're watching live, do stick those in the comments. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button and then you'll be the first to see all the new videos that we post every week too. Uh, Tom, I'm going to come to you first. Um, your score prediction, I mean, the way we've talked about it, it sounds like it's going to be quite a slow game. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we might have to wait for uh, those goals that do come. But uh, what are you thinking? How do you think it's going to work out? I, I think you're right. It's going to be a game of chess in my It's all about who's going to draw out, who's going to make the first mistake and switch off. Uh, obviously, at the moment, with frailties at the back and you boys have got your own frailties as well it's all depends who's going to be the first one to make that wrong move like a game of chess and get that opportunity to take the lead and I feel that if someone takes the lead in the game it'll be theirs for the taking because I think 
the weakness in the defence will be fragile. One goal, and you suddenly can see the floodgates open through. I'm going to I'm going to take a two-two Ledesmond on this one. I'll be quite happy with the points. We obviously got you boys, and then we've got Norwich away on the following Wednesday. So we've got a couple, a couple of tough games. So a point to get our season kick-started again after a defeat. I'll be quite happy with that. Yeah, we've got Ipswich on the Tuesday, which is not going to be easy either. <laughs> um, Steve, score prediction from you, please. Well, our last clean sheet, I believe, came against uh, Leicester back in March. So um, I'm not, I'm not expecting, uh, not expecting that to change anytime soon. Clean, clean um, sheet that that rings a bell. That's, uh... yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's something other teams do. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, th- I think. I mean, as as Tom says, yeah, it's, it's going to be it's going to be one of those games where it might actually be quite frustrating to watch for people. Um, even though on paper it's probably the two best sides in the league. I think it's going to be one of those games where both sides are quite happy to keep the other at arm's length to an extent. So, yeah, it might not be particularly interesting. So, uh, yeah, good good pick by Sky. So, hedge my bets a little bit. One all. OK. Uh, George, this is the bit, I know your first time on the pod, this is the bit where we get it hopelessly wrong. So, there's no, <laughs> no pressure at all. But normally, whatever we come up with is about a million miles away from the truth. So, uh, score prediction from you, if you wouldn't mind. Well, looking at the goals and goals since have scored and conceded this season, I think it's just going to be a lot of goals in the game, to be honest. I'm going to go for a 3 all. I can't really see Saints keeping a clean sheet and I also can't see Leicester keeping a clean sheet. I think it's going to be one of those games, like Tom mentioned there, mistakes at the back. Maybe you're going to lead to a couple of goals. Both of them are still getting to grips with playing out the back. We saw it on the weekend. Saints could concede from trying to play out of the back when they're not quite used to it. I'd imagine Leicester may be the exact same. I've not watched too much of them this season. So, and given the fact that a lot of the games I've covered this season, there's been a lot of goals in them, both games. I've done the match report so far. Saints have conceded nine goals. So I think uh, Alfie, should, yeah, Alfie <laughs> should be on the match report. If he's on the match report, it might be a 2-1 win. But I'm going to go for a 3 all. I reckon there's going to be quite a lot of goals in it. Okay. Alfie, do you think goals as well? Yeah, I'm going to go with Tom, though. I'm going to say two all. Um, but I'm not actually sure. I could be five, the first ever five all in the championship. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, watch it be nil-nil now. Tom, thank mm. you for coming on. That's really good, really insightful. It sounds like you're treading a path very similar to ours at the moment. So um, we'll see how that works out on Friday night. And uh, if it's all the same with you, we'll catch up with you later on in the season. Yeah, no problem. Cheers having us on. All us. right. Nice one. Thanks, Tom. Uh, Don't forget, if you are watching, you can uh, stick your score predictions in the comments because we'd like to hear those. Uh, A couple of bits before we finish. Just a nod to the women's team, Steve. Great result today um, at St Mary's, beating Blackburn 2-0. Yep, the only team uh, still with 100% record, uh, two from two. So, yeah, great great start to the season. Uh, They've got some goals too because we were talking about goals last week, weren't we? Yeah, as I said last week, um, they seem to have... I mean, certainly on on current evidence, they seem to have found found a solution to the problem of last season, where they basically scored a goal a game at, at most, and for for a lot of the a lot of the time that was enough to win games. But I think realistically, you've got to be um, having a little bit more threat up front. And yeah, six goals in two games, excellent start. And yeah, they've got Sunderland next week, so uh, let's see if um, see if they can avoid falling into the same trap that the men's team did. And George, I did joke at the start, but how's it all working out covering Southampton? How are you finding it this season? Yeah, I'm loving it so far, to be honest. I would have hoped that a 5-0 defeat wouldn't have come quite so early in the season to sort of kill a little bit of the enthusiasm. But no, it's been it's been really good. And maybe one thing that's maybe made it even better is how the club have kind of been. Alfie's probably spoken it, about it already, but the, the club and the people they've brought in this season have, have made it quite that bit easier, especially for me coming into the job for the first time. It, it's been easier to have nice faces around and and all of the people who support the club as well have been really nice. So I've, I've been enjoying it so far. 
There's a good atmosphere at the moment, isn't there? Um, yeah. Alfie, anything else you think with the transfers? Jason Wilcox thinking a few more might go. I know the, the Saudis can still bid, mm. I think. So there might be a £100 million bid for Tall Paul coming in on Tuesday. Um, there's a couple of other windows, isn't there? Is it the Turkish one? That yeah, there's, so I think there's four windows that are open. I think it's Turkey, Saudi Arabia, Qatar and Belgium as well. So I would be very surprised if Genk don't get Paul on your attitude. I just think he just has to have, and there must be at least, what, two or three more days left in that one, Steve? And uh, I'll be very surprised if they don't try and get him. The other two, I would say, are probably Musa Gineppo, because he, he, I don't know if he's going to play a role this season. Mm. And then I'm just hoping that they don't get an offer for £35 million from Qatar for Camel Dean or something, because if that does happen, and I'm not saying it will, I've never heard anything like that, but if it does happen, they'll be short again on the wing, and they didn't get that replacement that Russell said about Niven Teller. But yeah, if they can get rid of Musa um, and get rid of Paul for Belgium and Turkey, I'd take that. Okay, that's pretty much it for this week. Feels like we've come, uh, we covered quite a bit. Um, don't forget that you can follow Total Saints Podcast on Facebook and on Twitter. We are at Total Saints Pod there. We're also on Instagram and threads. It's at Total Saints Podcast. And if you're watching live on Sunday evening, this is where we do the live stream. We do it every week. We do it on Facebook. We do it on Twitter. We do it on Twitch. And we also do it on our YouTube channel. So thank you for joining us. Uh, we do love to hear from you throughout the week. You can drop us a DM on any of those socials. Uh, we're also on Patreon, which I mentioned right at the start that's where you can support the podcast with your monthly contribution just visit patreon.com forward slash total saints podcast there's four different tiers on there ranging from five to twenty pounds each uh, each of those tiers comes with its different perks including some weekly shout outs for the patrons in our francis banali and our mick shannon tiers so to that end thank you to dave melton mark atkins andy hollis matt hall anthony thompson saints in exile gavin ford and james harron in the francis banali tier and also to colt baker dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose and Nick Reed, who are in our Mick Shannon tier. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Alfie. Cheers for coming on, George. Did you enjoy that? That wasn't too bad, right? No, I enjoyed it. Hopefully next time I'm on, we can talk about a win, though. <laughs> well, let's see. Um, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you again after the international break. Cheers. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.